Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think that Megan was trying to repair that relationship by the letter prior to the baby being born. You know, Thomas Michael Sr. needs to realise, and we saw that from the letter that Megan sent him, that that she's fairly plaintive. She actually loves her dad. She wants a relationship with him. She's now a very famous person, and he needs to get on board with this and think about her and, and, and what's important for her. So I'm thinking more early to mid-April than late. It, will Beginning it does of April. seem like a very long pregnancy, or maybe it's just that we've been watching it a lot. Hello and welcome to New Idea Royals, the only podcast that takes us behind the scenes of Palace Live. I'm Rebecca Hyde and today we have the latest from Meghan's brother Thomas, inside some of the most shocking royal tragedies and lastly the latest on Meghan's due date. And joining us today to discuss all of this is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi Beck. How are you going? It's another busy week for the royals. They always are these days, aren't they? I can't decide if it's if there's more happening or that's well, there's actually just more reporting of it and more commentary about it. Just and they're actually so both. glamorous, aren't they? <laughs> so glamorous. Mm. Um, okay, so we're going to kick off um, today by talking about New Ideas exclusive two-part series with Meghan's half-brother. So what's he saying this time, Ange? Mm, so this is Thomas Markle Jr. He's a 52-year-old uh, stepbrother to Meghan. Um, Thomas uh, and had had... Thomas Jr. and Samantha with uh, his wife before Doria. So um, what he said is, mm, so it doesn't bode well. It's quite ominous, I think. He says that um, that their heartbroken father is considering releasing a whole mountain of personal letters, photos and videos in a desperate attempt to, to bring about some sort of reconciliation with the Duchess of Sussex's daughter. Is that going to work? I don't no, think so. I don't no, think showing not. footage of your daughter when she was, you know, doing some sort of singing concert or something when she was younger. She's just going to be getting angrier. She's going what are you to, thinking? Yeah. Look, I understand what Thomas is saying, that, that Thomas Sr. is frustrated, he's sad, and he's yes, upset, he yes. doesn't have a relationship with his daughter. But, you know, Thomas Michael Sr. needs to realise, and we saw that from the letter that Megan sent him, that, that she's fairly plaintive. She actually loves her dad. She wants a relationship with him. She's now a very famous person and she he needs to get on board with this and think about her and 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 what's important for her look thomas goes on to say that he really wants a relationship um his dad wants a relationship and particularly with the baby coming along he even goes so far to say that he you know his dad would love to be at the birth well that's not going to happen is it um you know, Tom says he feels terrible for his dad, um, you know, that it, it actually him speaking out is an act of frustration. Well, look, in families we all get frustrated, but we don't betray members of our family in this way, do we? And in such a public way as well. Yeah. Look, I think the more the more I understand families, and particularly families where uh, members of the family are estranged, I think there needs to be this understanding that some people are just not emotionally capable of doing the right thing. And I think Thomas Markle is this. He's he's found himself in a position where there's a lot of interest in him. He possibly doesn't have the finances that he would he would like. But it 
he's destroying this relationship that he's had with his daughter. We yeah. know that they mm. had a close relationship. We know that he loved her and, and, and that she loved him and it was very close to him. Um, her fame and, and, and sub, subsequent sort of elevation to, to become a member of the royal family, he hasn't handled it well. Someone I, needs to give him some good advice. Well, I don't think Thomas, Thomas Jr. is. I don't think Samantha Markle is. I don't think any front one from the palace has. I still believe Doria Ragland is the one. Look, they put out a joint statement when Harry and Meghan got in, uh, engaged. Yeah, so they have a, a they relationship. They have a good relationship. Well, you know, they yes. have some kind of communication. And, you know, I think Doria is the one that could broker a deal, um, a peace agreement, um, so to speak, between Meghan and, and Thomas for the sake of everyone's peace, yes, really. Yes. But that would have to be on very strict condition that Thomas doesn't blab to Samantha and Thomas Jr. I mean, the having... Um, a, a potential closeness with with his daughter again and their baby would have to be very strictly on the condition that she, that they, he doesn't blab and he's shown himself to do that. So Thomas Markle, she's given him a few chances. I'm yeah, well, his son, his son may be there saying, you know, this is what he wants, this is what he wants, but what's he prepared to give? What is he prepared to do to maintain that relationship? And I always believe it's incumbent on the parent to show to model the best behaviour. Yes, there, I, I really do this agreed, notion that. Yeah. Look, Megan is a is a um, grown up in her own right, and I think certainly her letter to him is far more balanced, measured, um, bridging the gap than his response yeah, has been. Definitely. And she, she did it privately, really and he has to keep doing it publicly. And I think, look, oh, Samantha and Thomas, the more they bang on about this, the less likelihood Megan's actually going to build that bridge to her dad. And he really wants his dad to be able to see Megan and Harry's baby. So, do you think this is going to happen? I don't actually. No, I, I don't think either. that I think that Megan was trying to repair that relationship by the letter prior to the baby being born. I think that, you know, we both know when you become a mother, you're a lioness. You're very yes. protective of your child. Yes, um, she'll be very protective of her husband. This is her new family now, and that will be cemented by having a baby. That level of protectiveness that she will feel, the, the you know, it's not just exposing herself it's potentially exposing her son what if or daughter whatever she ends up having i think if she ends up in a situation with her child with thomas he takes a photo he disseminates that photo that's going to feel like an enormous travesty to her and i don't think she's going to put herself in that position i actually i don't hold up high hopes for this uh relationship being reconciled i'd I'd love to think that it might and i'd I'd love to see some acceptance on both sides but i don't i really don't think it's going to happen yeah totally agree um, and he also references the Duchess of Cambridge's problematic uncle. I love this man. Haven't heard about him for a while. What did he What did he say about him? Oh, that's right. This is um, <laughs> Gary Goldsmith, isn't it? This is the um, uncle, Kate's uncle. And what Thomas says is that you know we might have this crazy unresolved family situation, but but you know that wonderful Kate <laughs> that everyone loves. Well, she's got the same. She's got Gary Goldsmith, who's her uncle, who was spared jail after punching his wife unconscious, and he got an invite to Kate and. Middleton's wedding to Prince William and he'd been in lots of trouble but he got to go well you know perhaps he'd had some contact with the family in the years you know ensuing and he never spoke out publicly about it he didn't speak out but you're quite right Beck and also he didn't he had a relationship with them as opposed to some yeah completely different circumstances yeah they really they are they are step 
siblings. They're not, um, you know, they, they didn't grow up together. They're a lot That's older right. than me. Yeah, of course. It's, um, you know, this presumption that we should all be invited and we should all be part of a happy family when you've put no effort in earlier is a bit of an odd one, I think. Yes. Um, and the royals have been um, busy of late with Kate and William going to Ireland, William and Harry visiting Morocco, uh, Charles and Camilla due to go to the Caribbean and Cuba. Are they travelling more or are we simply just more aware of it? Mm, I thought we should talk about this because yeah, no, I think it's, a, it's really interesting because uh, the royals have always um, done a lot, but I've never seen such uh, the wealth of reporting on it that we're seeing now. And, and it's not just because they're young and they wear nice clothes. I think there's two, two factors. I've been thinking about this. Are they doing more? Look, travel, access to travel is a lot easier and um, of course, people yeah. can travel a lot more easily now. Um, I think it's that. But I also think it's that there's a lot of interest in the work they're doing and the work that they're doing is aligned with what they believe in. So a lot of Harry's work is with um, um, environmentalism in Africa, their mental health work. It's very yeah. resonant yeah. to the public. And so the public are actually interested in the, the the finer details of it. So we're actually hearing – in the past you would just get photos of Princess Diana pressing the flesh and you wouldn't really even know what she was at. It never sort of yeah, – no one really – unless it was landmines yeah. or something that was so visually obvious, obvious yeah. what she was doing um, or at a hospital um, with AIDS yeah. patients. But now we, we get the detail of it. Now, I think there's two factors. I think they're interesting because they're youthful and they're purposeful, but social media is the key. Yes, so Kensington course, Palace yes. is putting out constant updates um, – you know, occasionally they get it wrong. They got it wrong uh, a week or so ago when they uh, put out um, – Harry was at a food charity where he was giving out meals to low socioeconomic families uh, – at the same time as his wife was flying my private jet to the um, to New York, so there was a there was a <laughs> lack of dissonance there, and and it was pointed out by some social media observers that Kensington Palace might have timed. Yeah, there. There's always someone there to catch a mistake on exactly. social media. Isn't there? But the great thing about social media is that we're actually seeing that the work that they're doing, and, and because um, they're putting out photos, they're putting out video, they're telling us details about what yeah, they're doing. It's being updates. more heavily re yeah. reported, and there's more you know there's access to those photos. And so um, I think there's more reporting. Look, the fact that um, Camilla and Charles are going to Cuba is really interesting. Um, overseas trips like these are planned by the UK's Foreign Office. And um, look, it's being seen as uh, exercising soft power, unlike that of politicians. You know, they're, they're not right at the heart of, of political right. decision making. Yeah. But someone of that stature visiting a country like Cuba, and no British Prime Minister it's has really visited communist Cuba. Yeah. 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 I mean, Barack Obama um, went there in 2006. But it seems that the UK is testing the waters on uh, visiting a communist country like this yeah, with someone like. Deal. I reckon I've got. I've been, I can't wait to go to Cuba. I'm, I'm sure Camilla's I'd just going. Go. <laughs> and she's getting a wardrobe ready. It'll be really interesting. It's a country yeah. I'd love to go and see. So I think well, you know, it'll be interesting what they do there and what what they choose to highlight. So yeah, looking forward to that. Mm. And speaking of um, social media, the Royals have issued new social media protocols. So what can you um, what can you, what can you tell us about this? Mm, this is interesting. Um, Look, they're at the forefront of social media. They're really on the front foot with this, and you know, and as we know, the monarchy is a, a, a very antediluvian, very um, anachronistic institution. So yes. for them to be at the yeah. forefront of um, social media is, is really impressive. Yeah. I, and, and shows I, our times have changed exactly. But they have come out and they've said. Um, Megan has been abused a lot, as has, uh, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's constant commentary. And they've said, we ask that anyone engaging with our social media channels shows courtesy, kindness and respect for all other members of our social media communities. 
Comments must not be defamatory, obscene, threatening, abusive, discriminatory, off-topic, irrelevant, unintelligible, or contain advertising. Oh, wow. um, I think okay. most of social media is off-topic, yeah. discriminatory, irrelevant, yeah, isn't and unintelligible. That how it works? <laughs> so I'm not sure there's going to be much, um, but it shows that they are going to moderate um, those comments and they're yeah, putting out a warning that you know yeah. it's not open slather. We do know, whereas in the Diana years. You know, a lot of the feedback, um, you know, Diana was pursued by the media in a different way. The the challenge facing the likes of Meghan and Harry is this this bullying on social media and this pushback on social media where everybody thinks it's a free-for-all free to comment. Diana didn't have to deal with that, but then Meghan conversely doesn't have to deal with a sort of rampant paparazzi press which is what Diana had to deal with in the 90s as a result of the Leveson inquiry and in fact in her death there is a much more um, subdued uh, paparazzi presence in fact yes. most British newspapers won't print any photos that have been taken by paparazzi of yep, the royal that's family right. yep. that's not how it's done these days so it's interesting there is the, some yeah, pressure um, on Megan, but um, from social media, but not so much in that kind of old school paparazzi style photographs. And then moving on to our Royal Mini Mag this week, um, we've documented some of the royal tragedies over the years. There's been so many more than you would expect. You just forget how much um, poor old Queenie has been through. She has been through a lot, hasn't she? I mean, when, when you look at the Mini Mag, and, and I mean, obviously, Princess Diana's death was extraordinary in terms of um, the depth of grief that was felt in yeah, the UK. And, um, really, really was, yeah. To be living there at that time, you really got the sense of that. That was obviously in um, 1997. It seems, it doesn't seem that it was 22, no. nearly 22 years ago, but, it, you know, everyone remembers where they were and they heard the news, that. don't they? Obviously, the death of Princess Grace of Monaco, again in a car accident in 1982, was, you know, while it not a member of the British royal family had a you know huge impact um it was happened during the That's queen's still reign so shocking yeah and what a lot of people don't realize is that it was really tragic for the queen and i think we'll see this in um forthcoming episodes of the crown we oh, know yes. we're at season 3 of the crown and where olivia coleman who just of course yep, won the oscar yep, is going to be playing the Queen in the next um, season and uh, I just I'm hanging out to see this but what we will see um, as I don't I'm not sure I don't think it'll be in this season but perhaps in the season afterwards is the Queen actually went through a really difficult time in 2002 um, she was looking forward to a year of celebrations to mark her golden jubilee of 50 years on the throne but she was hit by a double tragedy when her sister Princess Margaret died on February the 9th and then just weeks later she lost her mum the Queen Mother on March oh, the 30th I thought it was months. And because their dad had died so young, the three of them, the trio, were incredibly close. And some of that is depicted in in The Crown, but incredibly close. I mean, Margaret, for all her challenges and, and, um, you know, the sort of naughty younger sister, they were very close. And she, you know, she died at 71. And the Queen has... Um, lived an extraordinary long life comparatively, but that was a really, really difficult um, uh, year for her. Of course, the Queen Mother fractured her pelvis in December 2001 and cut her arm just after Margaret's death. She went to her daughter's funeral, but um, she was 101 and then died a few weeks later. I mean, the other thing that was really affecting for the British family was the the murder of Lord... uh, 
Louis Mountbatten in 1979. He, of course, if people remember, there was a the IRA planted a bomb on his uh, small fishing boat, the Shadow V, and it was detonated without warning. He was 79. He was incredibly close to Prince Charles. He had been a mentor to Prince Charles. Yeah, yeah. While Charles hadn't had that close relationship with his own father, uh, Prince Philip, he had a very close relationship with his uncle. Um, and it was a devastating time for the family. And also, of course, if you if you think back to some of the things that happened in the Crown, Prince Philip's sister died in a, a in a plane crash back in um, 1937. She was 26. Yes, I she didn't was, know this one. Mm, this is awful. Mm, she was flying to London for a family wedding when she went into labour with her fourth child. The pilot attempted an emergency landing in bad weather it, in Belgium, um, but hit a factory um, chimney. And her name was Cecily and her husband, George Donatus. They had two sons and a newborn baby as well as her mother-in-law oh, were killed. Oh, that's devastating. That. Mm, really sad. There was a surviving daughter, Joanna, um, who wasn't on board, but she died two years later from meningitis. And Philip was 16 at the time that this happened um, and attended the funeral. Um, but, you know, you think about the sadness and yeah, the real awful. loss that this family yeah. has gone through. There's been a lot more tragedy than perhaps we've been necessarily aware of, which shows just how resilient and robust it they really actually does. are. Mm. It really does. And finally, on a on a different note, there's speculation Megan could give birth earlier than expected. So is it twins next weekend? <laughs> tell me tell me what it is. I think we would know if it was going <laughs> to be twins. Um, I'm still holding out hope. Uh, look, it's always been palace tradition to sort of deflect media attention from expectant royal mums by suggesting that the baby's arrival is further along than the real due date. And yeah, that's a clever yeah. thing for them to yeah. do. Yeah. Sh- what it does is it means that instead of you know photographers being outside the Lindo wing for weeks in advance, looking up to the baby being born, um, you know they'll give a later date. So look at can backfire. Yeah, it's the a good idea. Duchess of Cambridge's first baby, Prince George, arrived two weeks late, meaning that his arrival can coincide with exactly what the palace suggested <laughs> was the due date. Whoops! Look, she does look. Uh, I'm done, done all my calculations on the fact she. Uh, apparently told Missy Higgins when she was in Australia that she was yes, 16 weeks along in October. So I'm thinking more early to mid-April than late. But yeah. look, who knows? It's the oh, first yeah. baby. They can often be very late. Um, who knows? It will be interesting to see. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is a it's, – it's slightly earlier than the late April, early May that we've been led to believe. Yep, it will beginning it does of seem like a very long pregnancy or maybe it's just that we've been watching it a lot. But in the bro- It really does actually. Yeah, exactly. In really that brocade does. dress that we saw her in last week at the investiture of um, uh, the 50-year – Celebration of Prince Charles's investiture. She did look like like she looked. She was ready to go. She did. Yeah, that was you know when our mums used to have babies and they used to wear those massive sort of smock dresses. Yes, yes. She looked a little bit like like she was at that stage, not quite in that sort of pie crust um, Princess Diana little um, collared way, but in that sort of. Oh, you know, you and I like, can also right notice her, end, her, her face is starting to fill out there. Yes. And um, I th- look, um, you know, we all know what it's like at those last few weeks of pregnancy. Yeah. Um, it's horrendous because you, you know, you're heavy and you just want to get it. And also, of course, they're coming into the British summer. Of course, in fact, she's yes. really lucky. She's having a baby at exactly the time you want Perfect. to be having one. You're coming into the um, the British spring. It's a nice time to get up in the middle of the night and and have to breastfeed rather than those freezing winter winter nights. Yes, um, definitely. She's I think timed it well. She 
has timed it well. In fact, look, if you know anything about the British schooling, she's even timed it well for that because you, oh, you, you, you want a baby born at that time that. of the year. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's so boring, isn't it? I know all these <laughs> silly details, Beck. No, um, it's and fascinating. I'll be, I'll be here in another week to tell you some more. <laughs> I look forward to that. Thank you so much, Ange. That was fascinating as usual. And thanks, everyone, for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au, our Facebook page, New Idea Royals, and, of course, please check out our latest Royal Mini Mag in the current issue of New Idea. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.